The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Do you have a love-hate relationship with your to-do list too? In this episode, we talk about why that is and ways we deal with it, including some practical changes we've made recently to help us just enjoy life more. Welcome to the podcast where it's all about living your love story and making your life a story where love wins. My name is Sienna. And my name is Toast. We're married and we've been partners in life, love, and music since 2001, over 20 years. On this show, we share our life as an Asian American lesbian couple. Some of our favorite topics are positive spirituality, holistic health, sometimes cats, lesbian alert, and other things we hope are entertaining, uplifting, and helpful for living your love story. So here we go. Welcome to our home studio in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to this episode. My name is Toast, and I just want to acknowledge just... You know, because we haven't mentioned this in a long time, but in the intro of every episode, we play that thing. Sienna's lost it. Go ahead. Yes, I'm going ahead. And we say, oh, we're Asian American lesbians. You know, we just want you to know that. Um, that's not what we talk about. That's not what the show is about. And that's the point. Do you get that? <laughs> Does that? Yes. That's a point, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Does everybody get that? That that's yes. like the point? Okay. I get it. I'm just part gonna... of this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ah. <laughs> oh. All right. So. Oh. Let's what? tell them about our air fryer. Ooh, so exciting. <laughs> like, that's so Asian American <laughs> and lesbian. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. So we, wasn't the air fryer a um, housewarming gift? It was a gift of some kind. I don't remember if it was from which occasion or Christmas or housewarming. We have had this, this amazing gift and we haven't, we hadn't tried it for a long time or so. Yeah. A year at least. And then my friend was saying, Hey, um, I love my air fryer. I was like, oh, wow, we have an air fryer. We should try ours, finally. And the person who gifted us, they're, such, they're like the best people in the world. Yeah. And they, they never were like, have you used a damn air fryer yet? <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're so nice. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, we made French fries in it, and they were so good. They were so good. And I love French fries, but they are the worst thing, like... If you buy them outside at some restaurant, it doesn't matter if it's McDonald's or In-N-Out. some other like 
fine dining restaurants if they sell fries. Shoestring fries. It's still going, wedge fries. It's still going Crinkle to be cut fries. so bad for you because it has so much to do with the oil. The type of oil, right? The type of oil, yeah. um, stuff that's been in that oil prior to the potatoes hitting the oil. I mean, it's it's pretty scary it's and it's foods. inflammatory. <laughs> so, so being able to make your own French fries... With your own organic potatoes, your own oil, that's amazing. And a minimum mess, too. Yeah. That's the It thing. was pretty... So I'm kind of... Yeah, I'm actually pretty, pretty excited. Um, yes. Because... Um, we also made broccoli. We'll be able to do it now. Finally. Yeah. Hello. It's one of those things where it's like, um, you had the power all along. Yes. Very true. And you can even make a cake in it. So they say. We're so late to the air fryer party, but mm. that we're and here. That and the um, hot pot, isn't that the other? Instant pot. Isn't that a, a thing too? Yeah, we instant don't have pot. instant pot though. Right. That's, we have yeah, a slow cooker. So late. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways. Let's move on to the next, <laughs> the, the real topic for well, this episode. Well, we, we can definitely say that if you are a French fry lover... You can take your health and your love of fries into your own hands and get the smallest air fryer you can get, because if it's just you, you don't need to get a big one. And you can do it. You can do it by yourself. You can do it at home. You don't have to wait too long. And you can indulge and enjoy in a healthy, wonderful way. Okay, so we today, this is so important, we're going to be talking about not letting your to-do list take over. Not letting it take over. Not letting it take so over. Not, so not letting it intimidate you or boss you around or right. like fry right. your brain into like this massive trembling jello. Yeah. Because that's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, oh Yeah, my gosh. it's pretty, it's, uh, so, okay, let's just, let's just first say, so do you love a to-do list? I'm asking you. I have the love-hate relationship with it. With it? Okay. Yeah. But you do make one for yourself? There are times where I make one for myself, but I have to say most of the time the to-do list exists in fragments, some in my head, some oh, on my God, phone. I would die. Some I can, no. in my paper planner, some in the digital oh, calendar, some on a scrap of paper. You know what I mean? Yeah. That then and, flies off your desk and you're like, well, where'd that paper go? And then yeah. you don't remember. Yeah. I can't live like that. So my to-do list is in my planner. And then sometimes they, because there's there's too many things on my list, they end up on a post-it that then gets put on top of last week's post-it <laughs> on top of my computer. Yeah. So Yeah, you know, because the, the battle is um, about, it, it's because of entropy. You know, like chaos just happens. That's part of life, right? Like interruptions and and priorities move around and unexpected things happen. And so so the to-do list gets messy without you having to do anything. Yeah. It just on its own, it just gets messy. Yes. And I think one of the ways that I have found more peace in my to-do list is to realize that I'm probably not going to get all that stuff done. That's right, sister. And to be okay with that. Exactly. As long as 
I have a plan with the stray tasks on there. Okay, what do you mean by stray tasks? Stray tasks, meaning the things I didn't get done. Oh, okay. I have to have a plan. So I'm going to move those over. Yes. Instead of just going, oh, well, I didn't get you done. Turn the page and forget about them. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. I have to have a system. To me, it depends. But- well, no, I'm not going to. No, if I wrote it, I mean, yeah. So anyways, we, have, we approach to-do lists very differently. Hmm. I need a list. Hmm. I need a list. But I do have a challenge. <laughs> Oh, Bear is here. Our cat Bear just jumped onto Sienna's lap. He actually tapped my my back, like tap tap. Excuse me. He tap, did tap. Oh my gosh! So that I could How move. Funny, and he could just sit on my lap. Okay. Anyways, so I do have somewhat of a love hate relationship with my to do list. I think it might be lean a little more towards love. Okay. Because I love making lists. Yeah, I love making lists. Okay. okay. But I will say that so much coming to terms with the function of a to-do list, like really using it as a guide Mm -hmm. versus letting it rule you and punish you for not getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. It's like so much of the peace comes from, okay, I'm probably not going to get all of this done. Right. Um, At the same time, I do think as we all, as we all are growing all the time, I think for me, the next growing step would be to be very mindful when creating the to-do list. So instead of, you know, 13 things on it, let's say six Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that there are less things to move over, you know, create a good win from the start of making the list. Right. You know, it really comes down to knowing yourself, I think, mm-hmm. um, knowing the, the, your, your energy points throughout the day. If you have higher energy in the morning, your clarity is in the morning, then you do certain tasks in that morning mm. versus thinking, oh, I have the whole day to do all these things mm-hmm. because you're not, no one is functioning at the same level throughout right. the whole entire day, right? right so it's right, really right. Sh- about structuring your tasks appropriately based on your energy levels. Mm-hmm. And that really takes knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, are you a morning person? Are you a night bird or a, what is it? Night bird? Night owl? That's a night bird. That type of bird. Yeah. <laughs> Early bird mm-hmm. or night owl? Mm-hmm. Both birds. Um, what are you? You know, are you more creative in the morning and the evening? Because that's, that informs so much in yeah. how you structure your, your list and your day. Yeah. And I think that for me, I don't, I know those things, but I don't do it. Hmm. You know, I mean, I have been doing it more and more mm-hmm. and I do have one, one tip that has helped me like by leaps and bounds, but I've been talking so much. Why don't you share a little bit and then I'll come back to. Okay. So. Thank God this is like an unstructured type of podcast because I'm just going to riff, riff on (laughs) um, how I totally used to be into the um, experimenting with the productivity systems and all of that, you know, like Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And there was the, you know, first determine the roles that you play in your life and then the big rocks that you're going to do for the week and schedule those because those are the most important. And then you fit the other smaller tasks around that. 
you know. Um, and then after that, it was uh, David Allen getting things done, GTD, you know, and you have your lists of in your inboxes and um, do your weekly review and keep your to-do lists organized by context and all, all of you productivity geeks will know what I'm talking about. And although they, those, those helped, I guess, I, no, not, I guess I know. Um, so those helped to helped me to th- learn to think about how to do the manage my tasks and mm-hmm. priorities mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but I had a slow realization as I was doing the whole GTD thing, realizing that I, I seem to spend time over and over rescheduling things because I never managed to get to them because other more important things just came up, you know, like unexpected things or they took longer than I thought they would. And it just, everything centered around like, what, what did I think was was the most important and that's where I wanted to put my energy towards and when I say important I mean in terms of not just a certain project that I wanted to get across the finish line but also just quality of life you know Mm -hmm. time to Mm -hmm. to actually enjoy existence yeah you know um because for me I guess that enjoyment does not hinge so much on completing tasks, mm. you know, and for some people, maybe <clears throat> it does. Right. Um, anyway, but so I, I realized, huh, I'm spending so much time like rescheduling the same tasks that I never, never get to. And so I realized, you know, I could recover that time, you know, and spend and just never mind those tasks. Like just. So what happened to those know? tasks though? You just don't do it. I don't know because they weren't worthy of me thinking about them so much anymore. And I think what I'm talking about is um, what you were talking about uh, or related to what you're talking about of like, you know, yeah, putting, rescheduling the tasks, but um, realizing that psychologically, I think satisfaction or a level, a kind of peace of mind comes from not only knowing what you have to do, but also comes from knowing what you're not going to do mm. and being accepting that, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to miss out on that, but that's okay. Like that's a decision I've made because mm. I only have 24 hours in a day. And yes, I do want to get at least eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's the choice, choice I am yeah. making. I'm not going to be able choices. to read all the books that I would love to be able to read. Right. I'm just not going to be able to do it. And 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 accepting that and you know, and that used to be so hard for me. The choosing sleep. Yeah. Like like going, okay, no, you can't finish that last episode of American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> But there's only 20 minutes left. Yeah. No, it's like, no, start wrapping it up <laughs> to go to bed. Yeah. That I, was probably the hardest, one of the harder things that yeah. is now a habit. That's so neat. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Yeah, it's one um, of those things where it's like, it's like, damn it. You know, it's like, why be a grown up if you can't just stay up if you want to stay up? Well, right? I, it's like, what's 
the use of even being a grown up. But I think, but I think what's interesting now is it's, it's night and day when I get good sleep mm. versus not. Mm. And there's such a reward in that feeling. Maybe that's just, as you get older, you just value that restful, peaceful feeling when you wake up in the morning, having had a really good night's sleep. Um, but I, one of the best feelings in the world has got to be being aware that you are getting a good sleep. Like, like sometimes you wake up in the night and mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, why am I up? Or, or no, actually the opposite. Like the best feeling is when you wake up and you know you can go back to sleep and you just are aware of, of like being so relaxed and like, I'm going to, I'm drifting off to sleep right now. It's happening right now. And it's like, See? yes, it's so good. See, we're so different because if I wake up and say I have 45 minutes to sleep in, okay, I have anxiety. <laughs> oh, no. Because I think, oh, my God, if I go back, okay, should I go back to sleep? Should I not go back to sleep? I woke up. Okay, no, let me stay in and go back to sleep. But then if I go back to sleep, you know how sometimes you can go back into too deep a sleep. Mm-hmm. And then when you wake up 45 minutes later, you're more startled. And then you're like, oh my God, I have to get, get up. And then you feel more tired versus you know, that moment. That, but I don't know if I have that. I don't think I've had that experience of then like very waking up and, and yeah, I guess I am so far. You're, you're very lucky. Yes. Well, let me, before we, before we run out of time, let me, I wanted to share with everyone the game changer for me Yes. in terms of my to-do list and yes. schedule. So this has to do with a project that I'm working on that I have not, it's been such a challenge um, to, to finish it, to get it done. And it used to take these very deliberate times of scheduling like, okay, okay, I'm going to do this during this certain time and I'm going to put it here. And then a lot of times it wouldn't get done. Why not? Well, because like you said earlier, like things come up. Okay. You know, and, yeah. um, and sometimes too, you know, with my, um, just my other responsibilities and stuff. It's like, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. So unscheduled things just get onto your schedule, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because we live in a world where other people have demands of us. And, and I think there's something to be said too about creative work. Like if it's something creative, sometimes it feels like it's frivolous and it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. When I do think that those creative tasks that we feel called to do mm-hmm. are absolutely necessary, mm. you know, but I think we yeah. naturally have this tendency to view them as not necessary where, mm-hmm. where driving to the post office is more necessary than mm. spending 45 minutes doing this creative task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? you know why? Because we live in a culture. See, this is my freaking soapbox thing. It's like, we live in a culture that doesn't know how, and I don't think it's possible. It, that's why we don't know how. We, it's not quantifiable. Creative work mm-hmm. is not something that can be quantified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and our culture, has, which has been shown to be um, pretty psychotic in the past you know, few years in terms of politics and COVID and all that, so our culture doesn't know how to deal with that. Mm. And so that's why we're kind of conditioned, we're, we're influenced to not value it. 
Yeah. Because our culture doesn't know how to quantify it. Therefore, it doesn't know how to control it. And we have such a... We have issues around that. Yes. So yes. here's what helped me with that. Though. Okay. This is what I'm saying. I'm okay. going to give the people hope because, okay. you know. All right. So <laughs> so one of the things I realized is, and it took it took a big shift in my schedule to mm-hmm. make this happen, but I've done it. Mm-hmm. And so... This is also the other thing is really being open to changing how you are, being open to changing, relinquishing how you've been doing things in the past to allow for your constant growth Mm. and renewal and and all of that. Mm. So I know for myself, my prime time is at the crack of dawn, like early in the morning. I'm not even talking like from 8 a.m., I'm talking about before that. That's where I'm the sharpest, where, like, you know me, when I wake up, even mm-hmm. if I'm tired, I am I get up out of bed, right? Yes. I'm not like, yes. oh, I don't want to wake up. I, don't, I don't never lounge. do that. Right. I you don't just lounge. I get up. Yep. And so it's like my body, it's like I know, like, this is my prime time. Mm. So now what I do is in the morning, I go straight, well, I feed bear, get my coffee, all of that stuff. Then I go straight to my office and I enjoy some amazing sips of my coffee and really am in that moment of being present with it. But then what do I do after I tackle the task that's the most valuable to me as a human spiritual being? Mm -hmm. What is the task that's most valuable to me, which is this project, you know, and there've been various levels of this project. So on all the levels, mm. what is on my list for that day. And that's what I do first. Before I had this mentality of get all the little things done first. You know, I've heard the, those little things um, be referred to as low value tasks. Mm. Um, and I used to spend my prime time on low value tasks mm. just to cut the amount of things on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I always yeah. had this mentality that, oh, if I get, if I can get all these little things done, then I won't be bogged down by it. And there's truth to that, right? There's truth right, to that. Right. You I can do see feel the strategy in that. Like, oh, good. Look, I mm-hmm. tackled half my list. Right. Which is yes. absolutely possible when you're tapping into that time. And it gives you a sense of momentum and accomplishment. Yes. And you're and like, it shifts okay, great. the energy in a good way in that way. And I was a true believer of that method. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not anymore. I mean, I do have to resist think, the temptation still. Okay. But because it's just because it's a habit. Okay. Not because I really feel like I really would prefer doing it. It's just a yeah. habit. Okay. So I do have to f- deal with that sometimes. But there is something so amazing about getting that value, the high value task done mm. first thing. Mm-hmm. First thing. If that's your prime time now, though. If that's course, your prime time. Right. Getting that thing done, you just, it's a different level of satisfaction that you feel than getting like, I got my emails done. I wrote the grocery list. Mm. I did the, you know, all those, yeah. those things, yeah. right? When it has that higher spiritual value for mm. yourself, mm. it has its own um it fuels you in a different way yeah. than having less things on your to-do list. Yeah. You know, so for me, that's been the game changer mm. facing the thing. And you will, and here's the thing too, that you think 
doesn't, that might not make any sense at all. The thing that you really want to do the most that has this high value to it, this high spiritual value is often met with resistance internally from you. Yes. (laughs) So you may have Mm. this resistance and therefore that feels like your block. But again, there's so much that contributes to that. Like, just like what Toast said, you know, there could be an internal part of you that doesn't see the outward value of it. Mm -hmm. And so you're resisting. You're like, I should be doing things that matter more (laughs) Mm. to everybody else, you know? Um, And so there will be resistance. So I'm not saying that this is just all easy street, but if you can, can you imagine getting that thing that is the most important thing done first thing, and then you go through the rest of your day fueled by that energy and pride of like, I, I did that. Mm. You know, I really, I got that done. And then all those other things will probably fall into place. And then if you don't do it, it's okay. Right? It's okay. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you, so since you have been implementing this schedule, mm-hmm. do you feel like you think of yourself in a different, slightly different way? Like see yourself in a I different do. way? I do. But I will say, hmm. I will say there's something a little tricky about that, about what it did to how I view myself. Okay. okay. Because um, I have felt highly productive. I will say that. Okay. 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 Having got like the most important thing done by adding it into this chunk of day that starts before my real day starts. Right. Yeah. I I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. So because of that, I, yeah, I've, I've felt very productive. The downside of that though is... I'm now looking in my schedule for downtime because my morning time no longer feels like that Mm. reflective time, which I do think is so important. It's so important, which is why I've never wanted to relinquish it. But I, but why I have is because I know there's seasons yeah, and I'm allowing myself to experiment with this. Exactly. You know, instead of feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my whole spiritual self by whatever. You know, there's something to be said though about moving towards a spiritual goal mm-hmm. yep. in that time. Right, right. That is your spiritual work. Exactly. You know, so whether I'm meditating or journaling versus doing a work, a creative work that is also deemed to be spiritual, it's, it's, it can be all of that. Right. So, but I, I, that's where the struggle is now for me. Interesting. Is finding the time now for what I used to do in that spot, but I'm not pressuring myself too much about it. Yeah. Especially because like you said, seasons. Yeah. There is a greater, yeah, great satisfaction. I, I don't think there's... There's not one perfect uh, schedule that will work for you for all time, forever and ever. Yeah. You know, it, it really, the, the game and the fulfillment uh, really does come in, in the continual experiment that's always evolving, mm-hmm. always changing, always in touch with how, how things feel in the context of everything yeah. in your life. I mean, it and really th- is about that 
I think that's what is meant by that narrow road, you know, the middle way. It's like finding that balance. And I even think like once, like when I don't have a day job, mm-hmm. I'm sure my schedule is going to change again. Exactly. <laughs> Hello. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's different, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's just different it's now. Changing. And so it's always going to change and yeah. to let that be okay. Yeah. Because sometimes the pain, so much pain comes from the resistance. Yes. You know, and it's like, yes. oh, what am I doing? Like, like if you stop, and this is another thing, it's like your expectations sometimes just like really kill it all. Okay. Having expectations, oh. I think sometimes kills things because when things don't match up with your expectations, mm-hmm. I think that's when your resistance to what is mm-hmm. just creates so much pain. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, but they come well, from the expectations, the, the, it comes from having had different expectations. Right. For whatever's I, happening. I guess, but I, I agree with you, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about when you're saying that. Like expectations? expectations of everything, anything, anything. Oh, okay. Like, right. like anything. <laughs> like, like if I expect you to do, um, to do something mm-hmm. and you don't do it mm. and instead you're doing something else, which is absolutely fine, whatever you're doing and it's not hurting anyone and it's not hurting me. But if I have an expectation that, oh, I thought you were going to do this other thing. Now suddenly I'm hurt by this thing that standing alone doesn't hurt me at all, hmm. you know? Hmm. And then I'm there stuck in this space of just this resistance to what is you doing this other thing instead of doing the thing that I thought you would be doing. And it causes so much pain. And then I'm like, well, why aren't you doing the thing that I thought you were, you know, it's like, it's just so ridiculous. And that also is true of like, like in my, in my day job situation, you know, mm-hmm. I have a plan for a meeting and the meeting isn't going how I expected it to go. Yeah. And then I'm, the whole time feeling this resistance to what is actually happening. And then it just creates so much pain. And even it's like, even sometimes with, um, this is a whole other podcast topic expectations because yeah, I keep talking about expectations because sometimes we expect something different when 99 times prior to the 100th time it's been a whole other way. I know. And I know you yeah. can, and, it, and I'm not trying to kill anyone's hope, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think always allow like the door to be ajar to this beautiful hope. Mm-hmm. But when you go in having such strong expectations that patterns in the past have not proven otherwise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it really is not to your benefit. <laughs> yeah. Because it becomes disappointing, you know? Right. And, um, right. and sometimes when you just accept it, mm-hmm. instead of going in with the, uh, different expectations for the thing that always turns out to be a certain way, mm-hmm. if you go in just accepting that, hey, you know what? It's been like this 99 times. It could possibly be like that for this 100th time. Mm-hmm. So let me just go in knowing that it could possibly be like that. Mm-hmm. Then when it happens... You're fine, honest. Like exactly. I've had this experience where it's like, okay, yep. well, yep. I knew there was this this could happen. Right. But when we're holding on to, okay, it's going to be different. It's going to totally be different. It really it's it's 
it's tough, folks. <laughs> yeah. And this is what growing up is. This is, this is, <laughs> it's not jaded. It's not, you know, that's the being, thing. See, okay, I'm, so, I'm going to go out. I'm going to say another thing about our culture. Our culture is so fixated and assumes that to win and to overcome and to defy the odds, right? To be the, um, the accomplisher, the victor, the, co- yeah. the person who, um, uh, achieves the conquest like that's supposed that's held up as the ideal mm-hmm. the person who bucks the odds and resists and you know overcomes the, the thing that's held up as the ideal and what that creates as admirable as that is you know the kind of hope and perseverance and persistence mm-hmm. that's great that's that's really, yeah i'm not against right. perseverance right i know Persevere, um, neither people. am i neither yeah. am i i think it's character building it has its merits and it's a good thing but at the same time, there is also just as much, I think, um, to be admired in the kind of acceptance that you're talking about mm-hmm. of someone who realizes they are not the center of the universe. The universe doesn't revolve around them and what they want and how they want things to mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. that they're... It's not all in their control. They are that, part. Of, yeah. They are part of a lot. All of us are part of an interconnected mm-hmm. network, There's and a we're bigger all yeah. working with each other. And we all give ourselves, give each other, and ourselves that that uh, that um, kind of give and take energy, mm-hmm. right? Like a dance, and and that is just as valid, just as beautiful, yeah. just as admirable to be part of a team that, that works yes. together. And I, I think, too, a lot of times we spend so much time, oh, years even, this yeah. is me, I'm speaking from experience, okay. <laughs> wanting to change another person, you know, other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And that's where sometimes the expectations can come in, where mm-hmm. you're just wanting them to be different. And you're wanting to give them the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, they're going to be different this time or mm-hmm. whatever. But really, all we, that, that is such a waste of time. I mean, again, allow space for that. Absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. allow space for that. But what I've really learned, and many times the hard way, is only we can be different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we can change, we can control ourselves. Yep. To a degree, we can have another debate about this toast. I know I can hear your head. Like we can, we can control ourselves to a degree, but definitely more so than controlling another person. Yes. And so we can have different expectations for ourselves. Yes. We can show up at the meeting in a different way. We can, and then in response, yes, your environment, those other people could respond differently. They might. They could. Yeah. They also might not. But really our thing is to manage ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's a big part of managing expectations. That's a whole other topic. I don't even, what were we talking about? Oh, what the, the heck are we even talking about? <laughs> Anyways, we went all over the place with this one, but hopefully there was a, a tip in there somewhere that was helpful for you. And maybe, I hope so. Yeah. And maybe, you know, like I find it helpful just to, hear people talk about stuff even when 
There's no tips, honestly. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. Like just being like, you know what? Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Or yeah, yeah. yes, that's what I think too. Thank you for saying so. You know, you know what? Like- because we really are starved for connection right now. So when God we can us. be a witness to other people connecting, you and I are connecting. When you can witness, when people can witness that, I think it's very valuable. Like how when we, in your podcasts, when you hear people connecting and how they relate, I think it's so important. Well, thank you. If you made it to this far in this episode, thank you so much. You win a prize. And you win a prize. (laughs) And you win a prize. Everybody wins a prize. It's being alive. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you again for listening. Rate and review the podcast. Follow us around. We are on Instagram and Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We even have a website. It's SiennaAndToast.com. And as always, we close this episode by encouraging you... Live your love story. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.